Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Think Orange Podcast. A podcast with ideas and conversations to help you influence the next generation. Here are your hosts, Dave Adamson and Ashley Bohens. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Think Orange Podcast. My name is Dave, and I'd love to say that I'm sitting across the table from the one and only Ashley, but she's not in the Think Orange bunker today, but we have a blast from the past joining us in the bunker. It is our old, you know him as our producer. It's Kevin Jennings. Cue the montage. You know, like they're kind of the woo. Now, Kevin, I remember a couple of episodes ago, we had a little jingle for you, didn't we? What What was the jingle? What was that? Here's, all right, here's I what I want. I made it up on the, on the yes, spot, you so did. now I don't remember what it is. All right, here's the deal. I have a Friends of the Pod t-shirt to give away to anybody who can get on Twitter. Use the hashtag Kevin Jennings is back. And tell us what that uh, jingle was that we created for you. How about that, Kevin? If they remember that, I'm going to be thoroughly impressed <laughs> and very grateful for your listenership. I'm believing that right now there are some loyal, <laughs> dyed-in-the-wool uh, fans, friend, true friends of the pod who are going back through old episodes to try and figure out exactly what that jingle was. And if you haven't, if you don't know what that is, please go back and listen because... Separate of my silly jingle, there's actually good content to help you lead better. <laughs> there is. There is. Hey, it's so great to have you back in here. It is October, which means it's Halloween is coming. Are you getting ready for Halloween? You know what? This year, I'm probably going to take it more seriously. My wife likes to decorate our daughter in cute things. <laughs> I believe that toddlers wearing cute outfits is actually how you love them more because they are terrors at times and so making them put little cute outfits on is actually more for you than them totally uh, it's more for you than of course it is, it is. so yeah last year she wore, she wore bunny ears this year she's in the pj mask she wore bunny ears like, for like halloween a little, yeah, like a little bunny ear like it's little easter man I, but no we put well easter actually, you're confusing her no because i'm pretty sure easter bunny and jesus's resurrection doesn't do with one another jesus juke jesus juke <laughs> there it is yes well, well this is episode 72 and we are talking today about mentoring in ministry mentoring in ministry we have some incredible people on the podcast today starting with um i'm gonna just give this guy a shout out straight off the bat kevin i know you want to talk about two of the other people but Go for it, please. Jeff Henderson is on today and Jeff Henderson I think is one of the most amazing human beings that I know. He Agreed. would be he would be one of my mentors not that he knows it. He's a mentor from a distance. I uh, watch the way that he leads his staff. I watch the way that he loves his wife. I watch the way that he loves on his children and I literally just I'm like I need to be more like Jeff. I recently heard another person uh, that we both know and respect, Tyler Reagan from Catalyst. Yeah. Say those exact same words about Jeff Henderson. The exact the same words. The exact word. same words. Really? Yes. Did he say it with an accent? No. No. So mine sounded better. Yes. <laughs> but that's the only thing I've got a leg up on Tyler over is the fact that I've got an accent because Tyler is another, another great human being who I look up to for a whole bunch of different other reasons. What about you? I want to know. What before I ask you that question, why don't you tell us who else is on the show? Yeah, absolutely. So we also have Nick Salyer. So Nick actually works with Jeff on another one of Jeff's projects yeah. called the Champion Tribes. And Champion Tribes is all about helping 
fathers mentor their sons and Love helping it. create a program that that fathers can do with their sons to kind of help them become men. And yeah. so, but Nick actually uh, is actually wrote a book. He's in his early twenties. Nick's an incredible guy. Uh, already wrote a book about how to succeed in college. Uh, mm. Seven big ideas to make college awesome. He uh, is you know he qualified for the U.S. swimming trials. Uh, Seriously, yeah, yeah, he really did. Um, wow. he's an amazing guy. A recent graduate of the University of Georgia, but now he actually is leading champion tribes. He was one of the first young men to go through this program when Jeff and and Nick's father, David, piloted the program years ago to help uh, middle school boys connect with their dad and and, and kind of get their blessing as they enter um, young adulthood. And so he's on the podcast today uh, to join in and talk about the power of mentoring. And we also have one of our favorite guests on the podcast, Miss Virginia Ward from Boston. Um, And so, (laughs) Virginia, please don't beat me up when you hear me say that, but I had to do it. What did Uh, you say? Boston. 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 What what is that? Uh, Hang on. Uh, the, when, we're not going to edit any of that out. I do not want that edited out. I want I will, you to say will, Boston. So he's, she's from Boston. Boston. But you're saying Boston. 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 And where is Boston? Uh, it's in Massachusetts. Guys, <laughs> I, I will never say that with a Boston accent. But Dr. Virginia Ward, she is an incredible woman. Um, I, she's like she's like an auntie to me. She didn't even know it. But I, I, my, my head will call her Aunt Virginia because she's so amazing. She integrates leadership and motivational skills. And she's a specialty with multi-generational urban youth ministry. Yeah. I mean, she has she's an amazing person. She works uh, as a director of leadership and a mentored ministry initiatives for uh, Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary, the Boston campus, the Boston campus. And she also <laughs> serves as a pastor for the Abundant Life Church in Cambridge, Massachusetts with her husband, Lawrence. Yeah, and we have a fantastic clip from her where she talks about how a church can grow young, which right? is such a great concept. It's a fantastic clip. I know you're going to get a whole lot out of it. Hey, before we jump into those, Kevin, I wanted to ask you, uh, because we're talking about mentoring in ministry today, who would you say is one of your mentors? We have the privilege, the honor of being in the room with one of them. We are in the presence of greatness. That's what I say. <laughs> uh, the, 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 the name I carry, uh, Kevin Jennings II, comes from the man in this room who's, who's, uh, who's on the ones and twos, keeping, keeping all the levels right. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Jennings the first. Yes, our regular listeners to the podcast would know that, Kevin, when you stopped producing this uh, podcast, you handballed it across to your dad, who we lovingly call K-Daddy because he's Kevin's daddy. Yeah, uh, I, handed, I handed it up. To, you know, handed it up. <laughs> you, you handed know? it up. You certainly did. He's normally pressing his little face up against the portal window of the Think Orange bunker. But today he's sitting here and how how significant is it, Kevin Jennings 1, to hear Kevin Jennings 2 say that you're his mentor? It's pretty exciting. Brilliant. That's the most we've got out of him. Thanks for in a I, year. I, I felt the emotion when he there said There was it. so much I, emotion. I felt it. I mean, my heart got warm. I know. Like that from, like I'm on the verge of tears. I'm not like. Guys, I mean, I mean <laughs> if you only knew like. That is I mean, powerful. I mean, as a as a talker, my dad taught me the power of using fewer words. I'm not I haven't I mean, I'm not applying the lesson yet, but I but I did get the lesson. He's a man of few words, but those few words carry a lot of weight. Absolutely. Um, okay, so before we get into the interviews and the clips, today's episode is proudly brought to you by the Orange Tour. Kevin, yeah. how significant is the Orange Tour? At the end of the day, this podcast is all about helping you get ideas and conversations 
so you can lead the next generation. And we're talking about mentoring. There's no better way to do that mm. than to bring your team with you to Orange Tour. This this entire event was designed to say, when you're a leader that comes to Orange Conference, how do you take that back to your volunteers, to your mm. staff that were not able to join you in Atlanta, Georgia? Mm. This is this is why we do it. Yeah. So 17 plus cities around the country for your entire family ministry team, including your volunteers. We believe momentum doesn't happen by accident. Have everybody moving in the same direction together. Amen. We want to help you do that. So bring them to Orange Tour. Now, Orange Tour 2018, get tickets at orangetour.org. That's orangetour.org. And trust me, Reggie does a really great job, and you can attest to this, Dave, yeah. of, of make sure any young leader that you're mentoring feels celebrated and encouraged totally. by showing up. Every single event, he makes sure that the youngest leaders in the room are celebrated for their willingness to step up and yeah. care for their generation and those behind them. Yeah, definitely one of the things that I love about it is uh, it, it really is a mentoring process in action across a short period of time because you have some of the greatest student ministry, family uh, ministry leaders uh, on the planet, I honestly believe, I in one room at one place at one time, and you are able to glean as much information and experience off of those experts, and you get to pass that down to your next generation leaders all in the process. So make sure you go and check that out. Make sure you get tickets at orangetour.org. That's orangetour.org. Hey, we're going to get straight into today's episode. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. Make sure you get a pad and pan out because you're going to take a lot of notes from Jeff, Nick, and Virginia, and we will talk to you on the flip side. But let's talk about keychain leadership. This was huge when young people, when the churches that are doing this well, the great churches that are doing, that are growing young well, one of the components that they said was keychain leadership. Now, three out of four of the young people and the pastors and the leaders that were interviewed ranked this as huge, being a part of leadership. Myth number one, the young hip leader. Keychain leadership in a church that's growing young does not require us, and I say us because I'm still in youth ministry as well, it does not require us to be the hip young leader. Now, I'm not knocking you if you are. But for those of us that have to wash that gray ride out of our hair, it doesn't mean that you have to slick and move hair we don't have to spaces. It doesn't mean you have to change your entire wardrobe to the skinny jeans and start rocking. If that's not you, it's not you. One of the statements that was made earlier was to be authentic. And that was key. Be who you are. So I want you to look at your neighbor for a moment. Say neighbor. Oh, I don't hear all of y'all. Say neighbor. Oh, neighbor. Be who you are. They didn't believe you. Look at the other neighbor. Say other neighbor. Oh, other neighbor, be who you are. Youth Leaders 101, be who you are. You don't have to be cool. Don't buy the hype, because it's just that. It's hype. We did see this type of leader. However, they were not the majority. So in the research, in fact, here is Rich Wilkerson. He's the senior pastor of Vols Church, which is located in Miami. Some of you may be familiar with this. He's pictured here with his wife and Kanye West and Kim 
Kardashian. He performed their wedding. But we don't have to be the slick, cool youth pastor. In fact, here is Pastor Peter Ahn of Metro Community Church in Englewood, New Jersey. Casual. Here's another one. This is Vonda. She's a youth leader who helped turn a church in Volga, South Dakota. She's a PE teacher and volunteers as a youth pastor. Keychain leadership. She has a great story. Volga, okay, her name is Vonda, okay? Nothing wrong with that. Who's your youth leader? Vonda. The point is, you don't have to be cool and slick. And then here's Pastor Jesse Brown from First Baptist Church in High Park. It's a neighborhood of Chicago. Be who you are. He interfaces with young people and reaches them. And he is a part of a church that's growing young because he's real in who he is. Then we met Stretch. Stretch's story helped the growing young team to understand Keychain leadership and how that was repeated in all of these churches that they found. He told us a story about the day when he turned 16. It's kind of like when young people first get that license to drive. Stretch remembered that he had just received his license and he went to church and he was so excited and he told his youth leader, y'all, I got the keys to the car. He had his license, he was able to drive. And so the youth leader said, oh, Stretch, oh, you can drive now? In fact, we need somebody that can take care of this vending machine and that can fill it from week to week. Would you mind being responsible for that? And Stretch said, yeah, I'm down with that, one love. And so they handed Stretch the keys to the vending machine. But because Stretch was now opening up the vending machine, he couldn't get to the vending machine unless he could do what? Open the door of the church. So they said, Stretch, so you know, since you can drive now, and now we've given you keys to the vending machine, and here are some keys to the church so that you have now access and authority to come into the church, change and update the vending machine, because you can drive back and forth on your own. So Stretch remembered that. And he said, wow, I have now been given authority. Can you say authority? And that's what keychain leadership looks like. Keychain leadership is not just about launching a student leadership team. Because some of us have student leadership teams. We call them peer leaders. We have a bunch of different names for them. But they don't necessarily have access and authority. So keychain leadership, it refers to having the capabilities, the power, as well as the access to leaders who carry the potential, who help to carry the potential to young people, to empower young people. So it's not just saying we have peer leaders, but empowering them, giving them access, giving them authority. And the book outlines three types of keychain leaders. So first, there are keyless leaders, and these are people who, uh, they don't necessarily have a lot of experience, they're young, they don't necessarily know what to do, and their time is spent just proving, I'm worthy to get a key, I'm worthy to get a key. Those are keyless leaders, they don't really have any authority. But then there are key hoarding leaders, people who have a ton of keys. I remember back in the day, and and a lot of churches now have the pass or you have the master key that lets you into every door. But I know when we first started at our church, there was a key for every door. 
So your key ring, and I don't know if some of you remember that time, your key ring, you had about 15 keys and you had to figure out which key went into one door and you spent time just trying to, is it this key, is it this key? Then they got smart and put the little color things on it so you could remember, this is the red door, this is the blue door. This. But now it, we're at a space where some people hoard the keys. So they have all the keys, they don't share keys. They might lend you, I might give you the key and say, okay, go open that door. But when you open that door, give me that key back, it's my key. That's not the type of leadership we're talking about. We're talking about keychain leaders. These are leaders who are constantly opening doors for young people. They are also leaders who are entrusting young people with responsibility and give them the authority to do it. Not just because we've lent them the key, but they actually have access. And I don't and I also don't mean key throwing leaders. It would be as if I took this jug of water and just said, here, catch it, now do something with it. Sometimes we just throw keys at people and we say, do something with it. And we don't resource and we don't empower them. We just, we call it, I delegated to the young people. But they don't necessarily understand purpose. We also haven't given them the access and we also haven't resourced them to be able to do what they need to do. So we don't just want to give young people keys and take them back. We wanna make sure that we're empowering them to do the work that they need to do. Keychain leadership only happens in relationship. I heard a couple of people say that, relationship. So as we get to know our young people and as they're getting to know us, we can empower them and give them the access that they need to be able to grow and to be nurtured. Keychain leadership requires relationship. Also, keychain leadership requires risk. Sometimes our young people will fail. They will royally mess up the assignment. But will we give them an opportunity as Jesus did with Peter? Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my lambs. Peter was given another opportunity. Jesus is a great example of keychain leadership. So here's an idea. If you're trying to figure out, are we a keychain leadership church and how are we a keychain leadership church? I would encourage you to conduct a young leader assessment, to ask them. And I would encourage you to, before you ask your young people, to sit down and to make a list of the young people that you could potentially give a key to. Who can you give responsibility to? So make that list of the name first and then say, hmm, after you discover and list a few names, to then say what type of responsibility, what kind of key, to be intentional to say what kind of key can I give them? So in Stretch's case, it was the vending machine. Some of you might say, well, I, they're gonna be assistant leaders with the children's ministry. What does that mean to be an assistant leader? And then after you do that, then invite other leaders into that conversation and say, I'm thinking about giving a key to Susie. This is the kind of key I'm thinking about giving to her, what say you? And then see if that could be something that you could do collectively as a ministry. Another question with keychain leadership came about was how important is preaching in our churches? Do young people really care about how charismatic the preacher may be? Can a preacher flip a phrase? Can they stand up in high heels or skinny jeans or the latest sneaker? And when they do so, are they engaging with all of the props and everything? How well do they communicate? How important is preaching? Well, the study said 
Only 12% of the people really cared about preaching. However, bad preaching can repel. But great preaching is no sure thing. Now, you don't want bad preaching. You don't want a person standing up and that can't put two words together or... Yeah, that's kind of bad, isn't it? Or they're so dry. Have you had, and I, I hate to say this being a professor in a seminary, but have you had a professor that just literally just made you want to cry? There was a student outside um, my office door last week and she was on the phone and she, all she kept saying was, come get me, come get me, come get me. And so I thought she was in trouble. So I went outside in my office and I saw her in the hallway and I'm like, are you okay? She's like, this class is so boring. I told my mother, please come get me. <laughs> well, we don't want that for the preaching either. That's what I would call bad preaching. <clears throat> See, the day and time we're living in, you can download good preaching, which is the problem. You can figure out, who do we want to hear? Andy Stanley. And you just Google and you can listen to the sermon. You can pause it when you need to do something and pick it back up again later. But you can't download thoughtful mentoring. That's why key chain leadership only happens in relationship. So here's an idea. We need to empower young leaders by envisioning new doors that we can open for them. How can we open new doors with new keys for these young people? How can we do that? So that's going to take some time on our part to look at what we're doing and how we can share those new doors with them. How can we broaden leadership so that our young people can be engaged and at the table and learn some new skills that they can take with them? Well, we are here in the Orange Bunker, as my friend Dave Addison would say. It is your friend Sojo, along with my good friend Sarah. And we are sitting here uh, with two incredible leaders, uh, Jeff Henderson and Nick Salyers. And I guess just to get us kicked off so the audience kind of knows who you are, you guys have started this uh, wonderful program called Champion Tribes. Do you care to share with us just a little bit about what that is and how it pertains to our listeners? Yeah. So Champion Tribes is really just a a kind of a vessel for fathers to invest deeply in the lives of their middle school sons. And it's something that we kind of picked up on, you know, me and my dad growing up, seeing that there was this almost missing milestone, is what we call it, of a rite of passage experience from boyhood into manhood. And my dad really decided to lean in during that time, and it made all the difference in the world for me. And so kind of coming into college, uh, we got together with Jeff and my dad and said, hey, why are, why are more dads not doing this? You know, why is it hard for dads to invest during this time? And we decided to create a solution for that that made it really easy for busy dads to invest in the lives of their middle school sons. Okay, so now, Nick, you, you work with Champion Tribes. And Nick, you're a millennial. That's right. uh, so what would you say to a millennial right now who might be listening? Maybe it's a millennial leader or it's, a, or it's someone who's interested in leadership. What would you say to them right now at the gate as far as saying, like, this is why I'm so bought into it as a young person? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's because it made such a big impact on my life. Is that the affirmation that I received from my father, the love that I received from my father and other wise mentors who my dad placed in my life at that time? just made a world of difference in how I thought and how I and how my actions kind of progressed as I grew older. And so I just think it's so important that especially in those formative times, kind of 11, 12, 13, for leaders to be investing 
in our youth and the next generation because it makes a huge impact on the trajectory of the rest of their life. I love what you just said. And, and Jeff, I can't think, uh, Jeff Henderson, for those that may not know, I can't think of a more prominent leader, uh, someone that's been able to offer so much guidance and leadership, as well as pastoring, uh, as well as just writing just incredible thoughts. What would take, what would make someone like you who has a lot on their plate already, um, as far as being a father, as far mm-hmm. as being a pastor and leading such a large church, what brought this so personal to you to say, I want to join this project? Well, surprisingly so, Joe, I'm not a millennial. So I did it it for different reasons. (laughs) Spoiler alert, Sarah. So, well, for me, there there are two big fear moments as a parent. The first is when you get the baby in your arms and you're going, oh my goodness, what do I do? I'm a a parent now. And they let you walk out of the hospital. Yes, yes. No, no, you can't do that. Yes. Right. No one like questioned me. Right. They just let me go. Didn't have to show ID. It was like, good luck. <laughs> we, we have somebody else for this room now. Right. So so there, there's that fear. The other fear is when you see your child nearing the teenage years. Mm. And you're like, mm. and then you, you see them with the phone and there's all of these influences and you're thinking, I need help transitioning into the teenage years. Will someone help me? Well, that's why I think Rite of Passage Journey was actually something that was created. This isn't something that Nick and I came up with. But we do think a Rite of Passage Journey is mostly a forgotten experience in the Western culture. Wow. So we have young men and women that are growing up and they're heading into the teenage years and no one's saying, hey, before we go, because we're taking them to soccer and we're taking them to swim, Nick's a swimmer and all that's great. But we want to teach you what it's like to be a champion in life. And if you can partner a parent, and then other trusted adult voices, it's really a powerful moment for young men and women to go, oh my goodness, I want to be a champion in life. So for example, one of the things we do is we surprise the boys in champion tribes. They don't know this. They actually go to a cemetery at night and they look around at some of the headstones and they come back and they write down, what is your legacy want to be? What do you, what do you, want, li- what do you want your life to stand for? Mm. We just got, Nick and I just got just this week, a picture of uh, a 13-year-old boy who wrote down, here's what I want to be, what my life to stand for. Well, imagine the difference that could happen if a 13-year-old boy and young girl wrote, this is what I want my life to stand for. It just provides an anchor in their life. Mm-hmm. So that's why I thought, I think the way you can help change the world, help improve the world, as at the age of 12 to 13 or 14, it's such a pivotal moment. And as Nick and I have talked about, middle school is a new high school. It is true. They're growing up faster, Mm -hmm. not because they're more mature, but because they're more exposed. And it's just a very pivotal moment. So we want to help partner with parents to help them in this season. And it's when teenagers at that age are leaning out. And so parents, mm-hmm. like they're leading, like, I don't want to like, you know, they're pushing off of you. They're, you know, re- rebelling in the sense of like, I don't want to talk to you. Right. And, and so then, but it's how important it is to lean in, like, and to right. add people in to, to lean in mm-hmm. with you, how important that is. Yeah. And we need to create context for these, these conversations mm-hmm. to happen. If it's not just, okay, let's go out for a hamburger. Let's talk about purity. I mean, that's not going to go no over very well. So. Like I always talk about, I worked with students for all these years and mm-hmm. I'm looking at my own student age child going I don't know what to say to you like somebody give me like actual words to say to create these conversations so that we can put them on that path and help them start looking mm-hmm. that direction and that's what champion tribes is all about that's like right. Nick you've that, in fact you've created these experiences when they got to get together and it's on the on the screen for that yeah and and I'd love to share actually so just this week uh, there was a father and son that went out and did the cemetery experience and just not a lot of 13-year-olds are thinking about these kinds of things, but it totally changes how they're thinking just by 
giving them this salient experience to attach to a teachable lesson. And so, you know, they're at the cemetery and you're talking about legacy and what do I want my life to be about? And all of a sudden when you're faced with it and it's like real, like these are people who are in the ground, all the things that don't really matter start to just fall away. And so, you know, a lot of 13 year olds might be thinking, oh, I'm going to be a professional, you know, baseball player or, you know, all these things that maybe don't really matter in the end. And so just this week, we got a 13 year old. This is what he wants to be remembered as. He said, remember me as a good friend, caring, selfless, and not trying to make my own life better, but others lives better. And that is just to get more and more 13 year olds thinking about that and their legacy is just can make such a measurable difference in the world. And, uh, that's really, you know, why we're so excited about champion tribes and it's helping create the context for that kind of engagement with your son. I mean, there's so much noise and then to to create this moment between a father and son where they can slow down Mm -hmm. and he can even have the space to think those thoughts and write them down. That's something that it's difficult for parents to even find the time to do that. And so having this aid to be able to say, hey, I, I, I now have a guide that can help me see a clear moment that I can have possibly with my son and, and engage in that. I mean, I can only imagine the benefit. And And there's a lot of voices too. So, you know, if he's not hearing it from you, he's hearing it from his peers or externally. And that is your time. That is your chance where, you know, a a little bit later than that, you start to become not cool enough to say those things Mm -hmm. to your son or daughter. And that's part of that rebellion. But you do have a chance right there at 13 where they're they want to listen to you and they want the answers to those questions. They're seeking those answers and that affirmation. And you have a awesome opportunity to be that voice um, in the sea of voices that are telling them other things that you probably don't want them doing. And it's pure mentorship. I mean, it's classic mentorship in the sense that it's five or seven dads and five or seven sons gathering around for 13 gatherings. But what happened when we went through this with my son, I love that the other dads said, hey, Cole, we know your dad believes in you, but he's kind of sappy. Mm. I want you to know that I believe in you, and here's why. Well, for another dad to speak into the life of your son, it's just like, wow. And then for these friendships to start forming, and they're like, hey, I want to be like, I want to be like Nick, or I want to be like Daniel. Those are just moments that you just, you know, it's just the, the power of these moments that you, you mean, we've we've scripted it and we've created it, but those are the moments that you go, okay, now God's going to take it and do what only God can do. And for, I mean, for people out there listening and the leaders out there. It's an opportunity for you to step in because I know, you know, I have an amazing father and he's so wise and he would, and probably fr- I frustrated him a lot because he would tell me something a hundred times and then all of a sudden Jeff would say it to <laughs> oh, me yeah. and I would go running to him and be like, yep. dad, guess what Jeff just told me? <laughs> and he was like, Nick, I've told you this over and over again, but for whatever reason, sometimes you just hear it better from a coach or a teacher mm-hmm. or, you know, your small group leader or, you know, another dad, one of your dad's friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so... That, I think that is something that happens as well is, you know, parents can hammer it as many times as they want, but sometimes it just takes someone else saying it. To, and I mean, you know, your, your dad is difference. an incredible leader. What, mm-hmm. You're surrounded, honestly, Nick, by incredible leaders. What would you say working with Jeff here and for the people, because there's tons of people that I think can relate to Jeff. No one gets, not a lot of people actually get a chance to work as closely with him. Mm-hmm. What would you say have been some memorable moments or, or what would you say has been most um pivotal for you in being able to share those moments with him. Yeah. So uh, I love getting to talk about Jeff because he is such an incredible leader. And for me, 
the biggest lessons I've learned from Jeff has been because of how he lives authentically. Mm. And so, you know, I know just through this experience, I've seen, we've, you know, traveled and met with people across the country and I ended up visiting one of those people later and I was looking on his fridge and he had all these letters and I was like just looking at them and I saw one from Jeff, a handwritten letter to this guy. And that just, you know, that's like so remarkable, just something so small, but that is true humility and that is true leadership is serving those around you. And I think that's what Jeff does best and has taught me is what does it look like to lead by serving others mm-hmm. and just how humble he is. I think that like that's, you know, I, I would love to be half as humble as Jeff is one day because he does so many incredible things. Come on. But, you know. You wouldn't know it talking you to You really him. wouldn't know. I have a uh, whole drawer yeah. of, of Jeff Henderson <laughs> letters. Right. I mean, he emails me these letters and these moments where I just least expect it. And mm-hmm. I open up the card and I'm like, this is Jeff. And I'm like, out of his busy schedule, what would make him even send me this? And I just have them all stored up in a drawer. So. And those words oh, yeah. mean so much. You know, we, I've talked about that. Is the, the only place that letters from my parents or you know a mentor of mine won't end up is the trash can. <laughs> I have every single letter that That's someone's beautiful. written to me because those words, you know, in the tough times and in the good times mean so much. Mm-hmm. And I'm hanging out with it because I wanted to marry my daughter. Come on. Don't tell her I said that. <laughs> if you're listening, Jesse. Just putting that on the yeah. table. We're putting it out there. <laughs> Which is the highest compliment I can give anyone on the table. Well, and when with talking about leadership in the church for you, Jeff, I, I think that it's easy to, to realize that we can get I don't know. I, I think I'm not a pastor. I've been in pastoral positions, but it's easy to kind of segregate yourself away from this idea of mentorship is really kind of investing in and leaning in to someone. So from your experience, how should a lead pastor begin to take on a mentorship kind of role in his church? Well, I, I really believe in in the moment mentoring when somebody will come up and say, hey, can I, you know, can I ask you a few questions? Can we have coffee? I'm like, hey, that's great. We're, let's go now. Let, you know, if we can, let's 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 try to go now. And then I want to help people when I when I have experience. But I also, if there's somebody saying, hey, I want to learn how to be a lead worship person, I'm like, I'm not your guy. All right, but I probably know somebody who can. So I feel like networking is really important to go. Hey, I'm not good at that. But let me not waste your time. Let me connect you with this person, because God has blessed me with a, a you know good network of people to go. Hey, would you do this? And would you do that? And so I want to be. One of the things I want to do is to not ask people for favors for me, but to ask people for favors for somebody else. And I think that's a great thing that a mentor can do is to go. Hey, can I use my influence to get this person in to come talk to you? Because I think she or he could be a really good you know future leader. And um, and then just be available. I just love walking around on Sundays and just being in the hallway and just which I think just, is not normal for a lot of like mm-hmm. senior pastors, especially of a large church. Like mm-hmm. they're kind of like I, I, you know. Well, I'm an introvert, so it does exhaust yeah, me. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, I, at like three o'clock, I'm I'm kind of done. But I just like kind of hanging. But I, I I like hanging out and being available. And so I think the ministry of availability and mentoring in the moment is something that sometimes I, I think we can just we can have some mentoring and some. And a lot of times, what people don't need is not hear from me they just need a good question and if i can ask a good question they know you what know they're feeling or what they're thinking right? but yeah. when i ask them a good question so i think one of the best things that mentors can do is be a good question asker and if you can be a good question asker it's going to unearth what's already in them you just have to unearth it because there's so many 
people that I see that they don't see the potential in themselves. I'm, there's one that's sitting behind me. I saw potential in her years ago, and I think she maybe not did not see the potential. I saw something on Instagram that she did today, and I thought, see there? I was right the whole entire <laughs> time. Um, and so I want to lift people up to go to let them see that there's greater potential in them. But a lot of times that's pushing them a little bit. It's questioning them. Uh, or just asking good questions of them. I think that's great because I think the times that I've someone has asked me to mentor them, I get I start sweating. Yes. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I have time. Like, can I meet for coffee? I don't know. Like, I've got all these kids, and I've got you know. Mm-hmm. But to look and go, is it something I can answer now? Mm-hmm. Is there a question I can help just in this moment? We don't have to schedule out. We don't have to make. We, I think we put a lot of pressure. Right. On ourselves. And I I tell people that are looking for mentors, it's not the mentor. It's not his or her responsibility to do this, to leverage this time. It's your responsibility to come with questions, to leverage the time. And and so that's it's not their responsibility. It's your responsibility. And to go, hey, I need 10 minutes. I need, I'm going to ask you three questions, 30 minutes, whatever. When people say, can you mentor me? Well, that's a little open-ended. So, so on the other side, I would say I need two questions. I need 10 minutes. Can I get some time? Uh, and then there, there are those that were like, okay, we're going to go on a journey together. Yeah. Now, to the leader who's listening to you and they say, that's all fine and dandy. That feels good. And and I do a lot for others already. I don't know if I need to add that to my plate. What would you say that are the positives that you've experienced in saying, I begin to walk the hallways of my church and start meeting people face to face. And here's how it's helped me. Mm -hmm. Uh, What would you say to the leader who said, okay, tell me how, is it going to actually help me as a leader or or allow me to see different or grow up? What would you say to that person? Well, I mean, I, I lean into something Andy said: "Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone." So I'm looking for that. I'm looking for that one. I, I, I can't meet with everyone because if I do, then I, I've, I've got the, the role that I've, I've got to do. So I'm looking for that one person that I can implement that, that, that can help. So, for example, a few months ago, a gentleman came up and said that he and his wife had split up. And he was wondering if I would go through Renew with him, which is a, um, a care ministry environment, or if he knew someone that would go through that. And that's when I thought, I'm, you're my one. I'm going to go through this with you right mm-hmm. now. So, um, and I had to go. I had to figure out, okay, how does this work? And he's busy and all that. But he was my one for 12 weeks. And so I think when you're looking for, who, Lord, who is that one for me? God has this uncanny ability when you're looking for it to bring that person into your in your life. Mm. So that's I'm, I'm looking for that one. And I feel like that's when that's where we truly start being the hands and feet. I think when it comes to this young generation looking at the church, I think what they like to be critical about the church on is the fact that they're like, are are they viewing life with that perspective? Are they actually looking for the ones that they can actually begin to walk through life with, who may not be have it all together, who may be messy, but that doesn't scare them off, and they're still willing to say, hey, I want to walk through life with you and see if there's anything. I I can learn from you mm-hmm. and that you might be able to learn from me. And I think that's the beauty of what, you know, what you're talking about, what mentorship offers. What I want to kind of transition to is we have this idea of small group leaders and a lot of people have small group leaders. And essentially, if you don't have groups at your church, it's one leader with about six to seven students or maybe even more, uh, sometimes a co-leader with an even larger group. But mentorship doesn't have to be six or seven. I mean, mentorship can be one. Mm-hmm. And so talk about the benefits of being able to just say, hey, maybe you're in between seasons of small groups or large groups, or you're moving up from college and you're like, I don't have tons of margin, the benefits of being able to say, I can still mentor though in this season. What would you say to that, Nick? Yeah. I mean, I think that really you see Jesus model this the best with the, the disciples Yeah, is, yeah, he reached the entire world, but he did it through 12 guys. 
and you know, twelve might be beyond my capacity, uh, but that's how it worked. Is it was these one-on-one investments with these twelve guys, and that led to the whole world, you know. And so I think that that is really how I've seen one-on-one discipleship and mentorship be really effective. Is one-on-one time, but invested in multiplication. So you know, it's yes, I'm getting value and learning from this mentor but they're really preparing me to lead others and start doing that my, myself. And so really saw this play out in college for me was getting discipled to, in order to disciple others. And so, you know, by that one-on-one discipleship, that turned into three more people because then I started discipling people. And so I think that that is really, you know, like Jeff said, is focusing on that one is sometimes by ignoring the masses and focusing on one, you can actually have more significant and lasting impact. So to the leader who said, okay, I'm meeting with my one, mm-hmm. I want them to start discipling others. What are, what are some practical things that maybe the leader did with you that began to say, I'm being equipped to be able to talk about my faith with others? Was it the way that they began to read the Bible with you? Was it uh, being able to walk through a certain type of curriculum or book? Or what was it when you began to say, hey, this quality time I'm getting with this uh, mentor of mine is preparing me for becoming a leader that maybe one day I can go out and and pour into others. Yeah, and I I think half the battle is just starting with that vision. Oh, that's Um, good. You know, I learned this from my dad. He said, how you view things will drive how you do things. If you're not thinking about, hey, I'm mentoring you so that you can mentor other people, then you're probably not going to land there. But if you start out with that is our intention, is I am preparing you to then give this, pass this on to someone else, it just changes little things that add up and make a big difference. And so that that is like my first idea is just, that's the stated intention. But then, so then I started processing everything of, okay, I'm learning this from you, you know, this book that we're going through, or this, you know, chapter that we're, we're learning, I'm learning this from you, but in the back of my head, I'm thinking, I'm going to teach this to someone else. And so you're kind of learning it twice in that moment of, but that wouldn't be the case if I wasn't explicitly told, hey, we're doing this so that you can invest in others. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was really clear who to invest in too. And I think my mentor did a great job of that is I was on the swim team in Georgia. That was my heart. That was my mission field. And so it was very clear he could not meet with every guy on the team. But it was my kind of, God put that on my heart is, okay, I'm bring, being prepared to then reach the rest of the guys on the team. And I do have the time because I spend all my time with those guys. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking about how I think a lot of people don't feel equipped to be the mentor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of us who want, like, I'm sitting here going, I wish that someone would mentor me. Or I wish that, like, and so what do you do about that? Like, if you don't feel equipped to, like, who am I to, to start leading in someone's life, to speaking to them? I don't have anything figured out. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you do about that? Well, I think you start with encouragement, Sarah. And, you know, encouragement's never small when you're on the receiving end of it. Even from the barista at the coffee shop going, hey, by the way, you did a great job. That, that kind of, people carry into that encouragement. And so one of the ways I try to use social media is to pick up clues on, I mean, 
I saw a story today. I saw a, a friend of mine. I don't know if I can say her name or not. She's right behind me, Emily. And so we used to work together. But I saw today an Insta story that she she put out, and I think it was a big moment for your business, by the way. And so I saw that, and I thought, well, I'm going to write her note. But now that you're here, I've ruined that surprise. But um, <laughs> but I say that to say, and I totally get it. You know, I'm I'm intimidated by you know, can I really add value? So I would always start where well, you can encourage someone. And Truett Cathy, who uh, uh, Nick knows very well, the founder of Chick-fil-A, would say the international sign of whether someone needs encouraging is if they're breathing. <laughs> and so, but in that moment, I think you become a mentor by, by, by saying, hey, I, wanna, I saw something in you that was a big moment, and I just wanted to write you a note or send you a text or something. So for me, for leaders that are saying, I don't have any time, I would say, are you checking social media? If so, try to find one or two social media posts that you can say, and then just encourage that person, because I do think that's mentoring, even though we all have our, our, our natural insecurity. But I do think we all have something in us, but we don't really reflect back necessarily the lessons that we've learned. I actually would prefer it that way versus somebody going, sit down, yes. I got all well, this grass. I know all the answers. All the, I think you just took all the pressure off. Like to go, this is it's as simple as this. It doesn't have to be this big thing, but right. you're, again, the bottom line is investing in other people. Mm-hmm. And so that takes the pressure off of it. We've got to sit down, we've got to have this coffee, we've got to like read you know, Galatians, I don't know. Like, you know, yeah. so it's like, no, this is just life. We're going to just talk about life. Yeah, so if you're looking for a mentor, never put him or her in the situation where you have your book and you're going, okay, ready, go. And they're like, oh, what do I say? You know? yeah. So th- th- that can be intimidating. So I would be, one of the best things to set up your mentor is to be a good mentee. But we all have things that that, that we can teach and share but but just don't be intimidated. But start if you have to start with encouragement. And here's here's my question to you, Jeff. I mean, you're you're not a millennial. You're just a tad bit more mature than a millennial, we'll say. <laughs> and uh, when it comes to you, do you have a mentor still? Yes, I have. So I have uh, several. But I have an advisory board basically, and I pick that idea up from Jim Collins, good to great. And so I meet with these guys, and my wife meets with them as well. And I take it like a board meeting. I make it. I mean, he says, if Coca-Cola has a board, why don't you have a board? So I meet with these, and I take it very seriously. They can ask Wendy any question. I have other mentors. I don't make any big decision without them. I would never make a big decision without going through Nick's dad. And I'm, I just feel like, you know, the Bible is clear. Where, where there are many advisors, that's where you're going to get wise counsel. So I, that's what I do. I've got mentors and an advisory board, but I meet, I try to meet with them on a regular basis. Mm. So it's not, oh, we've had an emergency and let's get together. And the, the advisory board and the mentors can ask me any question. And one of my mentors has my wife's cell phone number and will call her occasionally and go in. So I talked to Jeff. He said he's doing great as a husband. How's he really doing? And, and so um, that's John Woodall, that you, who you know real well. Yeah. So I want to meet with guys who are further ahead than me, and I, I want our, my kids to be like them. And I want their finances are so great and all that. I want to learn from them. And I love that because it goes back to Sarah's, Sarah's question. It, it, it essentially is tackling the topic that, yes, there you might be a guy or a girl who's thinking, I don't know if I have what it takes. I need a mentor. I can't mentor. I need a mentor. But what, what we learn from you is, yeah, yeah, you might you might benefit from a mentor. You should have a mentor, but that doesn't mean that while you're being mentored, you can't then turn just like you said with the mindset of what I learn, I'm going to then pass on to someone else. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it doesn't matter whether you're young or whether you're more mature. It's beautiful to say, hey, I'm still a student. I'll forever be a student, but as I'm learning, I know that I can still also be a teacher. And it's this duality that mm-hmm. we begin to walk in and saying we're a student, and yet we still can be a teacher. Yeah. Do you do you see yourself doing that a lot, being a millennial? 
Yeah, I think that it's definitely something that I've learned, and it wasn't necessarily just something that came naturally. Uh, but I think that part of that idea is I can't pour out unless I'm being poured into. That's right. good. Like there's nothing there's nothing for me to pour out if I'm not also being poured into. And so that's what I've found is that uh, just having someone there encouraging you, but also the idea that we're going to move toward and become like those we surround ourselves with. Mm-hmm. I think that if I could, you know, go back and drill that into my own head, but into everyone's head at the earliest possible age, that would make a huge difference because I kind of saw my dad did a good job of putting wise men in my life to, you know, look to and ask questions of. And then, so I kind of learned, Oh man, when I got off on my own, I started looking for those wise men who I could trust and listen to who were, you know, far enough ahead. But I said, you know, I want my life to look like X. And then I found that person who was doing that really well and just said, Hey, I want my life to look like yours in five years, 10 years. Like, how did you get to where you are? And then that kind of started the relationship. But yeah, I do think that in order to be pouring out to others, you need someone pouring into you. That's good. Yeah, and I think one of the best adages of mentorship is when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And so I think we just have this, this mentality of, I just need a mentor, and you know they just need to come and help me. But what do you want that teacher, the mentor, to do for you? And when you're ready for it, the, the teachers and the mentors will appear. Mm. And uh, so I think it's incumbent upon us to be to be to be ready for that, and to you know with in Nick's case, I mean your dad did a great job of surrounding you with mm-hmm. you know great people, and, um, and in fact I went on your first business trip. I don't know if you remember this. I think you were ten. You That's and right. I and your dad went down to a business trip down in Daytona. I remember. And uh, and Nick called me Jack uh, Jack Henderson for most of the trip, but uh, but but, hey, but Nick had his little briefcase, and Stop it was it. A, it was it was a great trip. But your dad would consist do that with you and um, right. and look what's happened. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's get to some of the real talk questions I got here. <laughs> we painted a perfect picture of it. What are the difficulties? For someone who said, okay, I'm ready to do it. I'm going to jump in here. You guys have got me all in my feelings and I'm ready to go ahead and run out and grab and find maybe one or two or a few to mentor. What are some of the difficulties you can say, okay, with that said, here's some things you might want to be mindful of. Scheduling. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just, just you, you got to get ahead of the calendar, and you got to you got to create some space on your calendar to do it. And it needs to be a non-negotiable. These are, you know, these could be. Oh, I've had a crisis come up, so I got to cancel. These are to me. If I have a advisory board meeting, unless somebody's sick, or I'm sick. Wendy's sick. We go. It's it's Coca-Cola wouldn't cancel a board meeting just because somebody got a little bit That's too busy. Good. Mm-hmm. So to me, one of the most practical things is what's most important actually gets on your calendar. Yeah, I, I would say the same thing. It's intentionality. Intentionality. And, and that's, that's the hardest part. I think that a lot of times it's like in our heads. We get in our heads and it's scarier. It's not as scary to take the first step than you think it is. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's helped me is just, hey, I'm going to get out there and I'm going to, you know, throw myself in the deep end. But once you make that leap, you're like, well, it's not, it's not as bad or as scary as I thought it was. Mm-hmm. And so, but yeah, but then the follow-up is really important. Just being intentional and yeah, making it a non-negotiable. Definitely. 
So to the student or to the to the young person, young leader uh, who's sitting and talking to you, and maybe you're thinking they're asking all the wrong questions. I mean, you know, sometimes there'll be leaders who are like this 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 person's asking me all the wrong questions. They're wasting my time. What do you, what do you say in that situation? Have you ever had a situation, Jeff, where someone's asking you and you're like, why are you asking me those questions? I mean, what would you what do you do in handling those situations? Well, the most frustrating thing is for me, Sojo, is when someone comes and they're like. Well, I don't really have any questions. I just wanted to get together. I'm like, okay, that's that's not a good steward of my time. And that has happened. And when that happens, I cut the meeting short. And I go, look, I thought you said you wanted 30 minutes to talk about this. I'll reschedule with you, but I can't go any further. You're not prepared. So maybe the best lesson you can get at this point is be prepared. Write that down, and we'll see you next time. Oh, that's good. So you – that's if someone's asking the wrong questions. I like it in the sense that at least they're trying. At least they're trying. At least they're trying. Versus like, ah, oh, you know, I just didn't know, so uh, I just wanted to come, and and it's that's just not a very good steward of my time. So, so, but if they're if they're asking the wrong questions, I think you just to Nick's point earlier, you want to change how they're viewing this. Let me mm-hmm. let me share with you not a bad question, but I think you're looking at it differently. Let me change the viewpoint, maybe elevate the view a little bit. And when you see this from a different perspective, I think you're going to ask a different question. So I think shifting their perspective will let them. But, but you know, I think we want to be be careful that, hey, if you're asking questions, that's good. Because the other thing, to Sarah's point, if you come in and you're a little intimidated and then you ask the question and the mentor goes, that's so stupid. Like, oh, <laughs> then you shut yeah. down. So I would say, Joseph, they please come with questions. Don't show up with uh, and, and flippantly just go, I, I just wanted to spend some time with you. And what are some ways that you, we, could, we could let those people know? I mean, for the person who said, I want to maybe take on uh, a kid that is from a broken home and maybe is not have a lot of leadership, but you see there's something in that that young person that you're like, there's there's potential, but maybe they would be prone to walk in an office and not be prepared. Well, what could a leader say to a young person to prepare them correctly to say, hey, I want to give you some of my time, but here's what I want you to, to view it as. I mean, what, what have you guys ever heard stories or even yourselves kind of taken on someone that might be not a little more rough around the edges, mm-hmm. but how do you prepare someone like that who's rough around the edges to begin to walk into a mentoring relationship? Yeah, I, I think that there's a couple things in in that kind of situation, and and part of it is meeting them where they are, and and so my dad's kind of taught me this is really more of like a business management principle, but when he does like quarterly reviews or anything, uh, he kind of has four categories, and he's like, you know, you're either working on competency in your job, you're working on how you can contribute beyond what you're doing right now, or you're working on efficiency, how can I do my job better, or we're having a conversation about promotion. And I think that that's a really businessy framework. That's good. But it's true, is he identifies, okay, where is this person? Are we having a competency conversation? And if we are, that's the direction that this conversation is gonna go. It is, hey, you need to be more prepared when we spend this time together. You need to come prepared with questions and have thought about it before and not just show up. But maybe they are there, and so it's about, okay, how can we, you know, deal with this specific situation? Like, that's what you're dealing with. Bring that to the table. And so I think that that's a really important principle to understand is that, you know, people are going to come at you at different levels and in different places. And so being aware of that and being patient as they progress from those levels. But then, you know, you can also make it clear what the next step is. Okay, so this conversation, we're cutting it short because you didn't come in prepared. But next time, you're going to come in prepared, and we will be able to talk about this thing that you want to talk oh, about. that's good. Um, so I think that that's a really helpful kind of thing to keep in the back of your mind is, 
you know, it's not one size fits all. And that's helpful on the other side, too. It's very clear. And I know now, leaving that conversation, what I need to do before the next conversation. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've found that to be helpful, you know, in the business world, but also in mentor relationships. Yeah, that's great. And, and also, in terms of your question about uh, maybe a, a student's rough around the edges, how do you, you know, begin that conversation? I've learned that the secret weapon is milkshakes. <laughs> Nothing I've learned quite that too. opens up Come the on. conversation. <laughs> let's just go have a milkshake. That opened me and, up. <laughs> and let's talk over a milkshake. It's just like, okay, this is good. Um, so it's it, the context and the environment of how you have that conversation is really important. That's wonderful. I think there's a sense of empowerment that happens. As I'm hearing talking about mentorship, I think about students I've known or my own life and how you can feel empowered and how important that is for a student, especially like walking in, especially if it's a rough around the edges kid, if someone thinks I can do something or someone thinks that I am significant. Hmm. So what does that look like for your life, Nick, of being spoken into like by Jeff or by other people of that sense of empowerment? Yeah. I, I mean, I would say that is the most important thing that I received from my dad specifically but definitely other mentors as well. There's a, a really great quote from a book called The Blessing. It says, if a young man fails to receive the affirmation of his father, he'll spend the rest of his life looking for it in all the wrong places. And that was the driving kind of force behind Champion Tribes and what we do uh, there. But I think it's so true is that especially, you know, young men and young women, they are craving that kind of affirmation from someone that they respect. And so, you know, it, it's not something that you enter in wantonly. Like, you don't just walk into that conversation. It's intentional time spent with that person. But, but that single thing, receiving a blessing or an affirmation from a mentor or your parents, is truly life-changing. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I've seen in my own life. And, and I've seen it play out in the opposite direction, too, where I've, I have friends that didn't receive that affirmation or that blessing and it's a struggle uh, and it affects how they think and how they live and kind of a sense of needing to prove who they are to everyone all the time but so that's yeah. that's really where my heart is is yeah. I want to see more fathers specifically giving that affirmation um, and create more context for you know young men and women who might not have a father in the picture to still receive that affirmation in, in a meaningful context. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a really cool story going on right now in one of our local churches at North Point, uh, Blackhead Church. There was a middle school student. His, um, tragically, his dad just passed away mid forties, and but he was he was the guy that was getting all the Champion Tribe groups together. So he was the leader of this group, and they were about to have their first session. So he passes away of a heart attack, and the small group leader of this young man said, "I'll step in." Mm-hmm. So they're going through Champion Tribes together. And I heard from the mom uh, the other day, and I mean, it's just this powerful thing. It's tragic, but it's powerful and it's redemptive. And there are, you know, young men like this that don't have dads for whatever reason. And so, for other men to step up as mentors and step step in, that's mm. so powerful. It's still powerful. Mm-hmm. That's so good. I love the topic of mentorship. There's we're literally battling a generation of so many fatherless young men, and mm-hmm. so to even talk about this is so imperative in in the society that we live in. But for those that ha- are fathers and they want to make sure they can get plugged into Champion Tribes, where can they find that information? Yeah, the best place is our website www.championtribes.com and you can kind of learn about program and all we're doing to help fathers. 
Nick Salyers, Jeff Henderson. If you want to look them up online, feel free to follow them on social media. I believe both of you are on social media. You have your handles. What's your handle, Nick? Indy Salyers. Indy Salyers and Jeff Henderson on Twitter and Jeffrey Henderson on Instagram and Sojo on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't get much easier than that. Thank you all for hanging out with us in the Orange Bunker, and we will see you guys next time. Wow, Kevin, that was just fantastic content across the board. There were so many. Look how many notes I took from this episode. That is just craziness. I I think your hand's probably sore. (laughs) I don't... I normally don't write. I'm normally doing it with my thumbs, but I have to use a pen this time around. Hey, you know, one of, one of the reasons why I found this episode so powerful is I honestly think that as a dad, my greatest responsibility is to mentor, I would say, to disciple my kids. This is the closest thing to a discipling relationship that I have in my life. If you think back to the first century, if you think back to Jesus and the 12 uh, you know, teenage boys who he had around him, he was with them 24-7 for three full years. So really, mm. my... My three daughters who live in our house and are under our roof and get to see me when I'm angry, see me when I'm tired, see me when I'm sad, see me when I'm elated, see me when I'm celebrating, see me when I'm washing the car or if I'm just mowing the lawn or something, they they get to follow my example and everything. And, and one of the things I know about mentoring, I know about discipleship is that people will follow your example, not your opinion. Boom. Well, uh, folks, with that being said, it's been great <laughs> to hang out with you on this episode. Uh, no, no, it's, it's just it's just true. And I and I think for me, you know, there was a season in my life where I wanted mentors, mm. um, and I and I prayed for mentors, and I didn't know if they were going to come. And I recognized that, you know, they came in just for me following the path that I felt like God put before me. Yeah. And as I and guides kind of showed up at each you know, at the right season at the right time. Yeah. And so the, the idea of example is just so true. Um, but one thing that hits me really hard is the idea of saying, hey, it's okay for all of us to to say we might have a mentor in a particular area. Yeah. You know, and and and, and that and that might be what you need. You say, I needed the example mm. of this person in this particular area, and that's how you kind of graft it in. Yeah. So I think one of the things that hit me really hard just listening is to say, hey, it's okay to be for us to be intentional about yeah. how we do it. Um, I, I think that if, if you know uh, what Andy says kind of rings true, Andy Stanley that is about doing for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Yeah. So I want to encourage anyone who's listening if you're if you're feeling like man that just sounds like a big deal. I mean, Jeff has champion tribes, this whole program he's built yeah, out yeah. and Virginia's a do- has a doctorate and she's doing yeah. mentor mentoring initiatives for a, for a seminary. Yeah. Um, just start with one person. Yeah, just start I with one totally person and, and, and that's all we can do. But thank you for listening. And, I, and obviously, I mean, but, but I wish we could end it with Dave, what Dave said because I mean, I'm sure you already forgot what he said. So Dave, say that again so that for so that my last words are the lesson they hear. Well, the, the what I said was people will follow your example, not your opinion. Mm. Um, but what I would also love to add to that is I just want to speak right now to the person who's listening to this podcast who maybe is looking around the, the immediate vicinity of people who are influencing you and, and you don't see anybody who is particularly standing up as a mentor in close proximity to you. I just want to encourage you and let you know that like I like I said at the top of this show with Jeff, I, I get to work mm-hmm. in the same organization with Jeff, but I don't get a lot of time with Jeff, but I still look up to him because I get to see him from a distance. And it's okay to have mentors who you might not ever meet. Um, when I think of the mentors, the people uh, who are influencing me as a, as a husband, as a dad, as a man, a lot of them don't even know that I'm following them. Um, but I watch them on social media. I watch them uh, in their church 
environments or their organizational environments and they mentor me even though they may never get the chance to meet me or that I will never get the chance to meet them. So find those mentors from a distance and start incorporating them into your life as well. So I was listening to another podcast by Tim Ferriss and he was talking about the idea mm-hmm. of, of virtual mentors. Yeah. and You he, just said it better than I did. Virtual mentors. I like that. Well, but I mean, well, he, he said this idea and, and he said he said people ask him to mentor them and he says, you know, I've put out hours, like hundreds of hours of content. I'm yeah. sharing my ideas, my philosophies, my beliefs, my you know, my thoughts. He, he said, if you read all of my books, if you listen to all of my podcasts, look at all of my interviews, mm. you would have you would have more time with me to get my thoughts, my beliefs, my behaviors than I could ever give you in the one hour we're together. Yeah. And what that made me think about was the idea of saying, one of the things I love about my parents is I can quote what they'd say to me when they're not there. Yeah. Right. Like I know there's a part of them that lives within me forever because I can bring them out in key moments and say, here's how they would tell me how my brother and I should treat each other. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Right? So what would happen if I decided to spend so much time listening to the Think Orange podcast that I got to hear Richie Joyner for hours and hours and hours? And I could say, when I have my next ministry struggle, I yep. know what Reggie would tell me. Yeah. Because he's told me before. Yeah, right? that's good. I, there's, so many, there's so many hours of Oprah Winfrey online interviews. If you want to get in the media, you could know what Oprah is going to tell you. Yeah. Right? But, yeah, so, and, and Todd Henry calls this communing with great minds. Mm. Right? That's what a book can do for you. That's what a podcast can do for you. And we hope, that's why we created this podcast, was we wanted to make sure that no matter where you are, in your in in the country in the world, if you're if you need access to other mentors and family ministry, yeah, you can get them here. I absolutely love that. That's what we are all about as a podcast, and we're so thankful that you are choosing to listen to this podcast. Uh, we can't wait for the next episode, episode seventy three. Uh, but between now and then, here's what I want you to do: whenever you think next generation, think, think orange. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Think Orange podcast. Join us next time for more ideas and conversations to help you influence the next generation. For more episodes and show notes, visit thinkorangepodcast.com.